0: Does anybody know that God's just not going to leave you out to dry? That after you've suffered a little while, the God of all glory and power is coming to your rescue. Hallelujah. It's good to be here tonight. I want to first give thanks to my pastor. No, he's not here, but we miss him. and It's a little bit different preaching when your pastor's not here. But I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And then I'm going to jump down to verses 19 and 20. And it says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, of Mount Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Paninah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord a host in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Panana his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Verses 19 and 20. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Okanah knew his, Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore, it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord, you may be seated. I'm going to preach here for a little bit on pain in the process pain in the process and I would be better to have a mirror up here holding it in front of my face preaching because this is a lesson that I've had to learn here recently but you see pain is not something human nature wants to embrace pain is not something that we go looking for it's actually something we try to stay away from and and when it comes trying to find us we try to run the opposite direction don't Nobody enjoys pain. Nobody enjoys it because pain brings you to a place to where you're vulnerable and a place to where you have to rely on other means of control, except not yourself, but when your son or your daughter or somebody in your family breaks a leg, you have to rely on the doctors for casts. You got to rely on medical professionals. You got to rely on physical therapy. There's stuff that pain takes you to a place to where you're no longer in control. And you have to trust that that the physician at hand knows what he's doing enough to where he's going to take care of the need. And you see, there's you know, I, when you think about it, you might ask me, you know, pain in the process, what process? Tonight we're going to talk about pain in the process of living for God because there's a false misconception that when you come to God that all your worries just walk away. All your pains just walk away. No, there's still going to be pains here, but we still have a help here. You see, the difference between having pain here and there is we know where our help comes from here. Out there, you have to run to everything else that will never feel that but you see, there's a whole lot that goes on between verses 1 through 5 and verses 19 and 20. You see, it starts off, they go up to Shiloh every year to a celebration. And they have a feast, and they give sacrifices. They do this yearly. They, they went to the house of God where Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, was. wasn't It was a custom for them to go up there. And we have one that is able to celebrate, and we have... Poor Hannah, that it said, it didn't say the devil shut up her womb. It said the Lord shut up her womb. I think sometimes we give the devil too much credit, and he's right there to receive it. But sometimes God has placed certain things in our lives to teach us things that we will never learn on the mountaintop. And there's certain things, if we don't learn it in that valley, that we're going to have to stay there until we do. And there's stuff, that's where you grow the valleys. Where you grow the valleys, where the grass grows. I've never seen grass on a mountaintop. So we have to embrace those times. And you see it said in verse 6, her adversary provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord has shut up her womb. Don't ever let the enemy define you in your weakest moments. Because he will try to knock you down because, you know, we hear the thing God wants to take what the devil is trying to do for evil and make it good. But in that same sense, the devil is trying to take what God's trying to mean for good in your life and make it evil. So the same pain that God's giving us to try to promote us and provoke us to victory is the same pain the devil is trying to use to destroy us. But it's up to us and our decision within ourselves which voice we're going to listen to. And see, he would love nothing more but then to provoke us so much into missing out and, and telling us that, you know, it's, it's not worth even fighting over. You might as well just give up. It's the pain that, you know, it's God is a God of love. He's not a God of hatred. So why would a God that loves us so much give us pain? Well, it's because he loves us he gives us pain. Because God is more concerned about our growth than he is our comfort. And if he's got to use some pain to pull us out from where we are, God loves us so much that he sees where we are and he says, No, child, I want to take you into the deeper things of God. But to do this, you have to know I have to put you through some pain. It's pain that he's got to use as the vehicle to get to your destiny. It's pain that it's got to use to get you to that, whatever that thing is in your life that you seem like you can't get past. That that thing in your life that's just so painful you wake up every day. We need to have a new perspective of it. It's not there to destroy you. It's there to promote you. It's there to bring you to a deeper depth. And we see it goes down in verse 7 and the enemy provoked her so sore that she wept and didn't eat it sounds a lot like they went to have a celebration at the house of God. And she was so upset with her adversary provoking her that she was not able to get fed properly. And if we're not careful, we can allow the pain that is in our lives when we come to the house of God to celebrate and to worship God. It could get us to a place to where we don't even want to be fed anymore. To where we're just coming out of ritualism. We're just coming to sit on here to show our face and act like everything's okay. You know, but at this point, her perspective is not where it needs to be. Yes, it's a horrible situation, and nobody's happy about a situation like that. But that's not the right perspective, and God is trying to teach Hannah some things in the midst of this pain that she hasn't learned yet. And and we go down, and Elkanah says to Hannah, he says, Am I not better to thee than ten sons? Ain't it like the enemy to try to get us to compromise our blessings by being stuck where we are? You know, he might not have been meaning nothing by it, but he was being insensitive to her. And, and it, it, it paints a pretty vivid picture of how the enemy comes in when we're at our weakest moment. And he's like, it's okay, where you're at's not that bad it's not that bad it's and and I understand look this is not a sermon I wanted to preach I promise you I fought it all day I would rather preach something to where we could shout and everything but it tore at my heart all day you know because this came out of some pain in my process and and it's those that where I wish I could have a mirror up here and I could say Caleb you should have learned this a long time ago and you wouldn't have had to repeat this God was doing this out of love he doesn't doesn't hate you God's a God of love and wants you to grow and he wants us to grow <laughs> Hallelujah. but she finally got enough of being provoked by the enemy and verse 10 says and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore she didn't go and talk about it she didn't go and you know broadcast you know I'm in a painful situation she went to the house of God And she brought her need before the Lord and it said that she spake in her heart and only her lips moved. Sounds like a travailing prayer meeting to me. Have you ever been there to a place to where you're so distraught you think that th- that one thing in your life is going to take you out so all you you don't even have the words to say so you're just having the Spirit speak through you and all you can do is your lips are moving because God's all over you but it feels like you're getting nowhere and, and she's here and you could tell this is not a common position for her because Elkanah assumed, not Elkanah, Eli assumed that she was drunk. And if he assumed that she was drunk, that tells me that she doesn't usually go to the church and prevail like that. She usually doesn't go in war in the spirit like that. So it took that maybe God was trying to use her pain to put her into a prayer meeting that would take her to deeper depths that she's never touched in God. And God knew that she would never reach that depth unless he put a barrenness over her. And that barrenness over her provoked her. Lord, I can't do this on my own. I've got to put my trust in you. I know there's pain in the process, God, but I trust you through it. Excuse me. and we go down and I, and I start to think I start looking at it and, and I read in verse I'm going to read verses 5 through 7 again because I found this point today I didn't even originally have this in my, in my message but it said but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah but the Lord had shut up her womb and her adversary also provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb came to pass that she continued praying for the Lord that Eli marked her mouth hold on that's my bad I wasn't in the right place I read two different scriptures (laughs) here it is it's verse 7 and so he did so year by year when she went up into the house of the Lord she provoked her therefore she wept and did not eat you see verses 5 and 7 that she allowed the pain in her life to miss out on the portion that he had for her right then but you see down In verse 18, he said, and she said, let thy handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was sad no more. You see a perspective change here. You see her going from, because if we're not careful, we can allow the things in our lives to get us such in an attitude and a mood that we miss out on the blessings God's trying to provide for us in that season. But if we would have a perspective change and we would, and we would think of pain as not something that, to run away from but something to embrace because when she got in the presence of God and began to lay it out before God, she said her countenance was no more sad. There's never been a time that I brought something to the altar and left unhappy. If anything more, God gave me a new refilling. He might not have answered it right then, but God let me know he knows exactly where I'm at. And he knows exactly where you're at. In, in Psalms 119 and 71, David said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. It's in your afflictions, Lord, that I learn more about your word. It's your, in, in your afflictions, Lord. It said in, in the chapters before that David said, Before my affliction, I went astray. That lets me know that some pain and affliction has a good rep of bringing us back to where we need to be. And that lets me know that the pain in our life is not for naught, but it's there to take us to deeper depths. And I believe that God's taken us deeper. (laughs) Excuse me. It's in the pain that brought Hannah to such desperation in prayer. Could it be that the pain of not having a child pushed her to travail in the spirit like she never has? Could it be that the pain of being barren brought her to a place of deeper consecration? She learned lessons in her pain that she could have never learned without that barren land. See, it's that desperation that pulls from that, comes from that pain that pulls us out of comfort and brings us to a place of surrender in Him. And how much pain in the process we can handle will determine our level of growth. If you don't like a little pain, well, then you're going to have a little growth. But if can God trust us with some pain? Can God trust us enough to give us some pain that we would be good stewards of this and trust, because that song said, how could I know how his faith could operate without a trial? We can never know the full potential of what God can do unless there's something in between where we got to focus on God and trust his hand. Brother Tenney once said that pain makes some men break down and other men break records which one are we tonight? God uses pain to grow us. The enemy will use that same pain to try to kill us. But ultimately, it's up to us to determine whether that pain will break us or make us. And I believe that, it's not in my notes no more, but I believe that there's some people in here that's been going through some things and I want to encourage you, I don't know who you are. And if anybody else, if y'all are all having it all good, that's good. I'm speaking to me right now. So, If you're going through something and it feels like it's hard, it's painful. Understand that God does not use stuff to help us focus on what we can see, but we have to trust on what we know. Because that Bible's full of stories, more than just Elkanah and Hannah, to where God used trust and faith to get through some things. There's been stories from the cover to cover that he's used pain to pull people closer to him. It was pain that brought Joseph to the kingdom. It was pain that brought Hannah to a place of travail. And it's going to be pain that takes us deeper into the things of God. God wants great thanks for this church. Great thanks. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you.
1: come on church I believe that we just heard from the throne room of heaven I believe that that wasn't just a sermon that we ought to just pass on by I believe that God is reaching for somebody in this place right now you know that word brought back something to remembrance when I was thinking about preparing for what I'm going to speak on tonight one of my old coaches he would say one of his favorite sayings was no pain no gain and how much true is that in the spirit tonight, that without pain, we're going to go nowhere. So, um, and I, I just believe that God's got a sense of humor tonight because I don't know if, he's, if, if Brother Caleb's been dealing with it today or it may be just me he's confirming some things on, but our messages are so aligned to me that I just know that it's the Holy Ghost has ordained this because I can tell you, we, I won't lie to you, we spoke today. But it went to the effect of, hey, bro, what's going on? He said, oh, I'm just trying to get through this wet day. I said, you ready for tonight? He said, I'm about as ready as I'm going to get. I said, I know your pain. I said, I'm nervous as, as I could be. Pastor ain't going to be there, and I've never preached without pastor there, let alone probably past 10 minutes. So I'm, I'm right there with you. And that was the gist of our conversation. But as I go through this, I believe that you will understand that God is reaching for somebody tonight. I don't know who you are. It may just be one person in this place. But I believe that somebody tonight is going to leave change in this place. Oh, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I'll be turning to Deuteronomy, the second chapter, the seventh verse. Deuteronomy, the the second chapter, the seventh verse while you're turning, I would love to give honor to, they're not here, but my pastor and our first lady and their whole family. I don't honestly know where I would be. I know I wouldn't be here tonight without those people. I wouldn't be here tonight without this love and support from my wife and and to all you great people, because I can remember just a short time ago, I come into this church. I didn't know anything about God, but through the years and through your prayers and Good leadership, God has brought me to a place that I never thought possible, and I want to give Him all the praise for it tonight. Yes, sir. If you're there, say amen. amen. It reads For the Lord thy God had blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thou walking through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord thy God had been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. Thou hast lacked nothing. If you would lay your Bibles down and go with me, let's pray over this message. Dear Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word tonight, God. Lord, I thank you for confirming things in the Spirit, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay, because without you I am nothing, God. Wretched old man that I am, Jesus. Speak to me tonight, to whoever that you are reaching for, and have your way in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus, you may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Every day, almost every person, we don't have very many elders in here, so I'm going to say probably 100% of the people in this room, we make some type of trip throughout our day. We travel somewhere at some point of the day, whether this in the morning or it's at night. Midday, it doesn't matter. We travel somewhere. For some, that may be a short distance, while for others, it may be a long distance, For some of us, that may be the commute to work. Um, For some of us, it may be going to school or even bringing your children, dropping them off to school. Some go to the grocery store to pick up things that you need for the day or for the week to feed everybody at your household, or you go by the supply house to get things you may need for at home. Or if you're real lucky, you may have time, you're headed to the deer woods to go catch up with that big buck that's been on your camera. But in 2023, whenever we take a trip, we don't we no longer we go get that that map. Years ago I mean and I've never had to do this. I'm just kind of speaking off what I've heard from elders and other things, but used to would, when when you would go places, you'd have to go get a map and you would have to kind of map out the direction you were going to take because once you got in that car and you headed out, that was it. It wasn't no Hold up, we we Siri said we passed that exit back there about two miles. We gotta turn around. No, you, you got out that map and you you unfolded and you said, okay, we're gonna have to go up through here, and you had to pay attention to the road signs when you were traveling. Um, but today we 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 no longer do that. We don't stop and ask for directions when we're taking the wrong turn. We don't get out those maps and, and lay out our journeys ahead of us, but instead we all have what it's called the Global Positioning System, system, or better known as the GPS, most of which is contained within an app right here on everybody's phone. So whenever you're gonna go somewhere that you've never been before, or if you're like me, we're going out of town this weekend and I've been there, but I just wanted to know how long it was gonna take me to get from my house to there. So I know that if it takes two hours and 45 minutes, I can probably make it in two hours and 30. So we won't have to leave quite as early as everybody else. But whenever you, want to, whenever you want to know that information, you take out your phone, your iPhone, or God forbid, your Android, and you type it into that app, whatever app that has, if it's Google Maps or whatever app you use for those different things. And when your destination has been selected, there will most of the time it'll be two or three different routes that it will give you to take from your location to where you're going. And it's always going to put you on that fastest destination by default. I don't know if it's, if it's just something that they do or, or what it is, but by default on my phone, every time I type in a location, it pops up the fastest way to get me there. And I just believe because it's something that's woven within our fabric that we want to get there the fastest way that we possibly can. We don't want to waste no time. That old saying, time is money. We, we can't waste no time. We got to get there. We got to hurry up and get there. Like the elders, that you work around some elder men, they'll say, hurry up every chance you get. Uh, but and, and that's why whenever we get behind someone who is traveling the posted speed limit or even slower, we get so frustrated. Anybody ever been there? We got all these local parish roads that we live down, and most of them probably, you probably don't even know the speed limit. Most of them's about 15 or 25 miles an hour. But you know that that old forwarder, it can get down at about 45 pretty easily. But you get behind that old woman that's traveling 15. I know we got some people from myers B and I get amen over there. You get behind those and it's like, my God, will they please get over so I can go on about my way? But there have been numerous times before I understood the geographics of of, of the way they laid out roads and different things, I would say, you know, why why can't we build the roads just straight to the destination? Why can't we just say, you know, build a road from my house directly to, to Alexandria? You know, the way the bird would fly, just go straight to it, and I have to worry about going to going to Jones or going to T Town, going up twenty eight, all that different stuff. Why can't I just straight there to it? But I've come to tell once tell someone tonight that that is not how God operates. God runs off of his own GPS, if you will, and it doesn't operate off of time nor distance, but rather it operates off of his power and his will. And I believe that he's positioning some people tonight, so for the next few minutes, I'd like to speak to us off the thought of on the road to your promise. On the road to your promise. From the book of Exodus to roughly Judges, we see the story unfold. The children of Israel, after they've been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, um, taken by God into the promised land that he promised to Abraham way back. In Exodus chapter 13, 17 through 18, it says, And it come to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God let them, led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. Verse 18 says, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. The Bible says that God did not lead them the way by the Philistines. He didn't take them the way through the Philist by the Philistines, I don't know that, although that was the nearest route. That was that when they put it in their GPS, he said, we want to go to Canaan. It said, Go straight through the Philistines' land. Don't, don't worry about going around through the Red Sea. Just cut straight through there. You'll be there in five minutes. But God, it, it unlike us, He He's never been about taking shortcuts to anything. God doesn't wanna doesn't want us to to just get straight to that destination and just like that. He's, he's never been about taking that shortcut or that quickest way because God doesn't operate off time. And as pastor says it so much, he doesn't operate off timing, but time, time but timing. I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, scripture lets us know that God didn't take Israel the quick way, but it does let us know that there was another way. And don't let, me, don't let me lose you tonight because when I say that there was another way, I'm not referring to salvation tonight. I'm a firm believer in Acts 2.38, Acts 4 and 12, the whole uh, doctrine that we believe in. I believe there's one way to salvation. So don't, don't let me lose you when I say that there was two ways. But in terms of our walk with God, in terms of our calling, in terms of just our day-to-day going, there is one, more than one way that He can bring you tonight, church. There isn't just one way. So don't get caught up in worrying that God is blessing this one and not me, that God is using this person in ways that he's not using me. God's opening different doors for that person than he is me. Don't get caught up in thinking that God is going to bring you the same way that he brought everybody else because everybody's going to travel a different route tonight. Hallelujah. Another thing that I know about the wilderness that they went through It's usually lonely. You think about, we really, we got woods around here, but you get up somewhere around, uh, my mind just comes straight to Alaska or Canada, somewhere up there, Australia, somewhere in the bush, you know, where it's it's real wilderness. I mean, there's nothing for miles and miles. You go cutting out through there, and you're not going to see very many people. It's not going to be anything out there. You're not going to run up on somebody and say, hey, man, how you doing? It's not going to be anybody out there. You're going to be all by yourself. So you, you don't run a lot across a lot of people out there. There aren't a lot of people that's, that's wanting to take that long way around, that, that's wanting to take the time and go around through these different things that you're having to go through. Where they're all worried about getting on that interstate. They're all worried about getting on that expressway and going straight to what, what God has in store, straight to what we're looking forward. And you can look around and you can say, my God, I'm all alone out here. It's, it's nobody else. It's just me by myself on this journey. I've... I've I've been doing everything right. I've been coming to church. I've been praying, but but I just feel so isolated. I just feel so alone. Nobody else knows what I'm going through in here tonight. Nobody else knows where I'm at. Nobody knows the pain that I'm going through tonight. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. That is our mind and our flesh that wants to play tricks on us and, and use that to twist us up and t- get us off the course that we're supposed to go. In verse 18, It says, But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed. I want to focus on that word harnessed, out of the land of Egypt. Because in that setting, the word harnessed, that doesn't mean that that they were tied down. That doesn't mean that they were oppressed, that something was harnessing them. But in another sense, it means that that the people were hooked together. They were tied together, much like whenever you hook a... um, Whenever you hook oxen to a plow or something like that, or whenever you hook dogs to a sled, they were tied together and they were in unison, all working toward the same goal. Nobody was out there by theirself. They had a bunch of other people that were headed all to the same direction. And as brothers and sisters of Christ, we are not alone, but instead we are harnessed together, all headed toward the same direction. And that is the will of the Lord. That is revival. That is to see heaven, to see our lost loved ones up there. Hallelujah. Throughout the 40 years and the many miles it took to make it from the land of Egypt to the promised land, Israel, they encountered uh, some terrain changes. They went from the Red Sea to the mountains, Mount Sinai. They went on some plain land. They went through some hills. Y'all with me? They They was doing like that on that trip. It wasn't just all just, a like I've done said, a straight shot, but it wasn't flat either. It was some mountains and some valleys that they were going through. And much like they went up and down in their journey, we have some up and downs in our walk with God. I I know this is elementary tonight, but I, I just believe that God's trying to help somebody. We have seasons where we live on top of that mountain, where God's speaking to us and everything is good in our life. Everything is peaches and creams. And then we have seasons where we go through those deep valleys. And it doesn't seem like we can find God or anything can go right in our life. But I want to encourage someone tonight. Do not get caught up in those mountaintops on your road to that promised land. Do not shy shy away from the valleys because the valleys is where God is going to develop you. As Brother Caleb said earlier, grass does not grow on the mountaintops. Therefore, we do not grow on the mountaintops. When we're up jumping in excitement, we're not growing. But it's in those deep valleys where we're, where we're crying out to God. We're looking after Him, we're saying, God, where are you? Why are these things happening in my life? I can't figure out why they're happening to me. They're not happening to anybody else, but they're happening to me. I've done everything according to your word. The valley is where the fertile ground is. The valley is where we're going to grow. The valley is where we're going to learn to love those people that we don't like. Those fruits of the Spirit, they're going to grow in that valley. The valley is where we'll learn to be joyful even when we have every reason to be upset. Whenever you're walking through hell, you're going to learn to be joyful in that valley. When you're down there, you're going to learn to be joyful even when you don't have a reason. The valley is where we'll find peace whenever our world is spiraling and coming apart. When everything is going wrong in that valley that you're in, and you want to say, my God, send a helicopter or something to get me out of this thing because I don't think I can take another inch or another minute of this thing. I believe that the walls are caving in on my life. I just ask that, that you would hold on to that valley, that you would, wouldn't resist it, that you would understand that God is bringing you to a place. He's brought you there for a reason. You aren't there just for God to torment you. You aren't just there just for because God wants to do bad things to you. God doesn't want to do bad things to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. Hallelujah. Y'all know I'm not a long-winded preacher, so I'm going to start closing if the musicians would come, make their way up here. If we could all stand while they're doing that. Tonight, I've, I've just come to remind someone, and like I said, I, I, I do believe that God is reaching for someone, and it, it, it may be me, it may be just be me and Brother Caleb, I don't know, but I've come to remind somebody in this place that you're not alone in this thing. You're not walking on this, on, this road just by yourself. Look around. Look all around you. Look at, look at each and every person in this place. We are the body of Christ. We are called to be there for each other we have each other and more importantly than that we have God he is the head of all principality and power tonight do not get caught up in the comparison trap because of all because all of our journeys they're not going to look the same as I previously said don't look at I can't look at brother black and say my God why aren't you bringing me the way you brought brother black why ain't I where he's at why ain't I where brother Jamie's at Why ain't I where Brother Jeremy's at? My God, is something wrong with me? Can I not be used? Do not shy away from those hard times in your walk with God, but instead cleave to them because you're going to grow the most in those times. And lastly, it took Israel 40 years, 40 years, to make it to the promised land. But the Scripture says, These 40 years, the Lord thy God had been with thee, and thou hast lacked nothing. For 40 years you thought, God, could you imagine if we had to withstand the things that we're going through for 40 years? And they withstood it. And God said, I knew right where you was at. You didn't know where you was at. You didn't have a map. You didn't have a GPS. But I was there with you and you lack nothing, I tell you. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I wish I could tell you tonight when that promise is going to come to pass. I wish I could tell you tonight when you're going to get that promotion, when all things are going to fall right in the line and, and God's going to open that door and whatever you've been praying about, that is going to happen. I wish I could tell you the date and the time tonight. I wish you could tell it to me. But I can't tell you how. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. That's why the Bible declares in 1 Timothy 3 and 16 that great is the mystery of Godliness. It's not our job to figure it all out. It's not our job to go and say, Lord, tell me what all you're going to do. It's all in His perfect will. And if it's appropriate tonight, I just ask that you would come make your way to this altar. And let God work on you. Let God reassure you that He